Hey, I'm Jack. And I'm Maddie. And this is Getting There with Jack and Maddie. This is a podcast about the journey we're on. Maddie and I are in our mid-20s and working at Grace International School in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We're just a few steps ahead of the high schoolers we work with, and we want to share about our life experiences up to this point. We're not pretending to have all the answers, and we're definitely still figuring things out as we discover what it looks like to follow Jesus with our whole lives. You could say, we're getting there. Okay, so welcome to our first full-length episode. Oh yeah. This is really exciting. So this one's going to be a little bit longer than the last one, but we're really excited this morning to talk with you about calling, how to find your calling, what even is a calling, and all of the things associated with it. So Maddie, I have a question for you. What, when you think about calling, what does that mean to you? Like, how do you define that word? Mm. Well, I think that there's maybe a difference in how I've come to define it for myself and what I think the actual definition is. But how I would explain calling for for me is the thing that I think God made me to do and getting to do it in the world. Um, I think the the biblical quote-unquote calling that maybe we've all become uh, associated with is the uh, Jeremiah... I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, um, plans to prosper. And I think that we then hear that and we say, okay, well, what is it? Like, mm. tell me, tell me the plan that you have. Um, and so I think that those are just the, that's the dissonance that I would want to clarify. Yeah. I think for me, one of the first pictures that comes to mind with calling is from Frozen 2. Oh, no. The, uh, ah, Wow, if this podcast doesn't work out, you could really have a singing career. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, Which, hot take. I think Frozen 1 is so much better than Frozen 2. Hot take. I agree. Yeah, so that may not be a hot take (laughs) if we're both agreeing, but this could just be an echo chamber. Oh, I thought hot takes were like, you just have a thought and then you go into it. I think the youths would describe a hot take as, I have an unpopular opinion. Oh, okay. So if you think Frozen <laughs> 2 is better than Frozen 1, maybe you can come find us and tell us why you think that. Yeah, you can have the hot take. <laughs> yeah, you can have the hot take. Maddie, I like what you said about calling, how there's oftentimes two different ways that ways that we've previously thought about calling and then really what God says about calling and who he says we are. Mm-hmm. So I think there's you know two avenues to it. There's, there's things that God generally calls all of us to and then ways that we specifically figure out how he made us. And yeah. I think in Psalm 139 that it, it describes that picture beautifully where he says that he knit us together in our mother's womb and he knows us. And so I think he's mm-hmm. given each of us a personality and each of us different strengths and talents and stuff, which I think all of that fits into calling, at least is how I've understood it. Yeah. As Maddie and I have thought about this topic and how we've kind of settled on Um, our definitions, and even as we've experienced and explored what God has called us individually to, we came up with a few different questions that we felt like helped us narrow down and find what God had has called us to and generally, but even more specifically. So one of the first questions that we came to was, what makes your heart come alive and Mm -hmm. where are the needs in the world? So Maddie, would you Mm -hmm. explain a little bit more about that question and and even how you've explored it yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, first of all, I think that God, even just the Psalm 139 reference that you said earlier, I think that God has made us all individually, um, and I think he's made us to where he delights in it, all of us individually. And so I think us figuring out 
the the answers to this, the what makes my heart race and get so excited. What are the things that without even trying to, I just think about what are the, the, the questions and the, the needs in the world that I see that keep me up at night. Um, I think that those spaces are intentional and beautiful and they're different from the people around us. And so uh, for me, that discovery kind of led uh, was led by a couple of the women that were really intentional in sharing their lives with me. And they just were asking me how I wanted to move forward into adulthood and mm. the things that I was thinking about for my job. And um, one of them specifically challenged me to make a list of all the things that I love, mm. things that I love to do, things that I love to experience. Um, and as I did that, I spent probably 30, 40 minutes. Real, and I'm, I'm talking all of the things that I love, chocolate cake, TV mm. shows that I love, conversations that really made me just smile experiences that um made me like just thank god that i got to live life um all of those kinds of things um and at the end i kind of just realized that there was several categories that appeared a lot of times mm. um and that has kind of structured and helped me build a lens through which to make decisions about my future and calling quote unquote calling things yeah so i think even with that getting specific as I've even experienced is like, what are some of those feelings that you have in those moments? So I remember back in college, um, an opportunity I had to lead a session on like small groups and um, teaching some different guys how to lead small groups. And I remember through the preparation for that and after giving the talk, I felt like I could just run through a brick wall. Mm, yeah. Like I felt like I had so much energy. And even as I was talking and getting to lead the session, like I lost track of time. Mm. And what's funny is there, that's actually, there's a, a term in psychology called flow, which okay. describes activities that you lose yourself into where you forget your concept of time because you're so focused and so enjoying it. So that's, those have been some of the feelings, like the, the practical feelings I've had in those moments. So what would you maybe add to that? Like, what are some of those yeah. feelings when you get to those moments um, where, where there are things that you mm -hmm. love that you feel? Yeah, I, and maybe this will make you laugh, I'm a dreamer. And so I think that... Wait, really? Yeah, really. Um, I think that this space is really, really fun for me. And it's fun for me to get to shepherd other people into. So this is actually a really sweet thing to get to talk about. But... I think the feeling that I would add is like if your heart feels like it's on fire, mm -hmm. like it just you can't imagine um, anything better um, than getting to be a part of whatever it is that you're doing or talking about or dreaming about. Um, and that sounds vague, but I think if you ask yourself questions about, okay, how, how would I um, determine what makes my heart beat really faster? What are the things that I just dream about being a part of? Um, mm. I think that those are the spaces that will just naturally make you smile. Um, maybe your face lights up or changes. People that see or hear you talk about um, those things, they can tell like your whole disposition is different. Yeah. Um, I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. So to put a point on this, there's a, a quote by a guy named Frederick Buchner that I really love. Mm. And he says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness, so the things that we just kind of described that we felt, 
where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. And I think that second part is so key that in our exploration of our callings, it's obviously really important to pay attention to what's going on in our own hearts. But I also think it's really important to understand and um, have a feeling for what's going on in the world. So Maddie, Mm -hmm. how how have you experienced that in your Mm -hmm. journey um, of, of calling, like seeing where there are needs? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I actually did a discipleship program the year after I graduated college, and we went through a whole weekend of kind of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And they had this PDF printout for us to spend a lot of time on. Um, but essentially, how you guys could even visualize what we're talking about, break it down for yourselves, is like three circles that make a Venn diagram. And so instead of the, just the two where there's overlap in the middle, have mm-hmm. three circles that have the overlap in the middle. A and Venn triagram. A th- I'm not even going to try to say that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. Um, and one of them is God's heart. Um, these would be things like justice and goodness and the things that we mm-hmm. see throughout Scripture that we know to be true about God and His character. Um, another circle is the world's needs. And so... Um, that's kind of what Jack mm-hmm. was just talking about, the world's needs. So what are the things that you see around you, the things that you hear about in the news? Um, that would be that space. And then the third part is um, like how you think God made you. So that could be like your interests, your passions, your talents. Um, and this is kind of a space where we would even want to encourage you to, to ask the people that mm-hmm. you spend the most time with um, for them to speak into that too, uh, what your talents are, what they hear you talking about. Um, and, as you do those things, maybe even giving yourself a whole page to do each of the three, mm-hmm. um, you'll just start to see themes and overlap. And that would be where the Venn di- diagram, all the Venn triagram, all <laughs> collects in the middle. And they call that your kingdom sweet spot, mm-hmm. um, your kingdom calling. And the theory of all of this is that if you're living in that sweet spot, um, you'll feel the most pleasure from, from what God has made you to be. And also it will be bringing the most, um, like purposed work about, um, there's an Eric Lydell quote, the guy who is the chariots of fire Mm -hmm. guy, um, that one of our pastors from our church in Fayetteville says a lot. Um, and it's, God made me fast and I feel his pleasure when I run. Mm. And this is kind of that same sweet spot. Like, okay, his was running. Mine is definitely not running. Neither is mine. <laughs> um, okay, so then what is mine? You yeah. know, like what is the space that I feel God's pleasure? He made me this way. And when I am living and active in that space, I feel his pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to even uh, follow up on something that you said there. That was so good about how other people have played an instrumental role in that. And the ways that they've affirmed you and things that people have called out. So how have you experienced that? Because I know that's been a huge part of my story. And for me, you know, and it's even funny for me to say discovering my calling at 24. I think there's still lots of discovery, mm-hmm. but where I am now is is largely due to, to things that other people have called out. So how have you experienced that, Maddie, in your life so mm-hmm. far? Yeah, I think I've always been drawn specifically to women and children mm-hmm. and, uh, I just thought it was something that I liked or people just handed babies to me and then the babies liked me. I, I didn't think that there was that much more to it. Um, but I had the opportunity to help lead a trip to Germany and Jordan a few years ago. And that I would say was the most intr- instrumental uh, 
time of my life where God really cemented this, okay, a longing towards being in relationships with women and children Mm -hmm. and, um, speaking identity and value and worth over them. Um, and that had been said to me a lot of times. And I, in my own foolishness, I think was hesitant to, to listen. And then seeing that summer, the way that my heart came alive when I got to sit in front of these women that had been through horror. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the people that we sat with were refugees from Syria specifically. Um, and getting to see one, the way that I actually did have words of encouragement for them, but then also that I felt so connected to Jesus in those spaces. Um, so that's one way, but then also just, yeah, your friends know you, your friends Mm. see, um, the ins and outs of your heart, the way that you present yourself in, in ways that you don't. And then also like spiritual mentors, the, those, both of those spheres of people have been, um, really, really encouraging to me in the, okay, we see that you're just, you're moving towards this. What does that mean for your life? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I feel like I've had similar experiences where, you know, I think in just paying attention to what friends and family and other people have come up in and have encouraged me in, um, I think sometimes, you know, people who love you want to make you feel good. But I think over time, if a consistent theme Mm -hmm. continues to come up, like, man, you're really, really good at speaking in front of people or, man, you're really, really good at photography or mm-hmm. videography, whatever yeah. it might be. I think those are really important things to, to tune yourself into, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's things that you love and they kind of match that first descriptor of it's where your heart comes alive. Mm-hmm. I think what could also fall in line with this is what do different like personality tests say? I mean, those can mm-hmm. be kind of objective um, indicators. So if you do Myers-Briggs or Strengths Finder or Spiritual Gifts Inventory or whatever it might be. Sometimes those can be kind of objective. Um, you know, a test doesn't care about your feelings. The test doesn't care yeah. like what it comes back and says you're good at or maybe not as good at. And so those can even be important tools. Um, but I think the, the really important disclaimer there is they're tools and right, yeah. um, that they're not at the end of the day, ultimate truth. And so what I think is important for us to stake our lives on is what God mm. says in his word. Yeah. So how have you explored maybe what God has said to you or um, how you've explored your calling through what God says through his word? What does that mm. journey look like for you? I think that that is kind of a twofold answer for me of learning what the shepherd's voice sounds like. Mm. And I've learned that from what God's word says yeah. um, and familiarizing myself with the the cadence and the way that it sounds when Jesus speaks. And so um, some of the things that I was thinking through and just as we've been reflecting and preparing for this, there's some invitations in scripture um, of when Jesus is inviting us into life with him. And I think that those things specifically kind of tie up with the calling. And so some of those might be Jesus' invitation to uh, the, the fishermen disciples, the come and follow me and I will mm-hmm. make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Um, he's inviting them to come and live life with him. He's come, follow me, watch my life. You get to be a part of it now. Um, then you have the come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. So that's something else to pay attention to as you're figuring out um, what your quote unquote calling might be. Maybe it's the space where you don't feel weary. Uh, Maybe it's a space where even if it's hard work, 
um, it doesn't wear you down. Yeah. Uh, the invitation that Jesus gives us to taste and see um, his goodness, uh, that that is something that we get to also offer to other people, this taste and see. Like you can just get a little taste and then you understand um, the richness of life that he's inviting us into. And then, of course, we have the Great Commission where Jesus right. is commanding us and inviting us into um, living a life of making disciples, being deeply involved with other people coming to understand him and who yeah. he is and what he came to do. Um, and so I think that those have informed then, okay, when when do I hear and feel the Spirit's prompting? Um, and again, another pastor from our church in Fayetteville said this in a wedding ceremony one time. He said, you know your shepherd's voice and you can trust it. Mm. Um, and I just was put on the floor by that. And it seems so, so easy. We, we know that, um, we know the truth in the Psalms. We see it over and over again about the shepherd being the one that goes before and invites yeah. us. Um, but yeah, just learning these words and then how that personally sounds when I'm in the secret place with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, this has been a space where maybe I've felt some anxiety at times mm. where I think of God and his sovereignty who has this calling and this plan for my life and that I might somehow miss it. And I know that can be really scary, but I think one of the most important things for me in the last couple years that I think I've come to, to more fully realize is that God is a good and loving father. And even yes. you bringing up that, that other side of, of him as our shepherd. And I think what's interesting is, you know, the, the really popular parable of the 10 talents mm. or the talents where, you know, a master leaves town and gives gold to, to three different guys and they do different things with it. The first and the second, you know, go invest it, but the third one buries his talents and the, the master returns. And what I think is really interesting about that third guy is it's his fear mm. of the master is what leads him to bury his talents. It's not a compelling vision of the love that this master has for him. And so I think what's been important for me is, is realizing that God's my loving and good father, that he's not waiting for me to just mess up and he's not, you know, sitting there with his scripted out plan mm. for my life saying, oh man, I cannot wait for Jack to get off track so I can just make his life miserable. Yeah. And that's not the picture of, of the father mm -hmm. that Jesus came. And even the, the verses that you just shared about the good and abundant and full life that Jesus has, has welcomed us into. Now thinking of some junk drawer advice for you guys that maybe doesn't fit in those categories cleanly. A really important thing for me has been, and I'm sure for Maddie, has been just try stuff out. Yes. Like that is so huge. Like you have a lot of opportunities in the next season of life if you're going to university or whatever you're doing just in this season to try things out, do internships, do jobs. And I think in that, pay attention to not only the things that you love, but the things that you don't love. Mm. I had some really significant conversations with friends throughout college who thought that you know, biology or being a doctor or whatever it might be was the path that they wanted to be on. And then they did classes or an internship and found out that they hated it. Right. And they were distraught. Mm -hmm. But I think that is just as significant of an answer to say, wow, this door is closed. I really don't enjoy this. 
man, praise God for that clarity that I know that that's not for me. Mm -hmm. So, so again, that only happens when you take risks and you go out on a limb and you do jobs or internships. So Mm -hmm. that would be a really big piece of advice that was helpful for me. Yeah. Do you have any other just random junk drawer advice? I, I don't know if I want to say that this goes in the junk drawer because it is a story from scripture. But <laughs> I think something that's coming to mind that has been really, really comforting to me in this, what you're talking about, um, is when Mary pours the perfume on Jesus's mm. feet and all the disciples are so mad at her and they're like, you just wasted so much. She was living in the space that Jesus had called her into mm. of worship and being with him. And I someone when they told me this story they were like there's never been a more beautiful wasting yeah um and just this this gentle reminder from jesus that he doesn't waste anything yeah um and so as maybe you do get to the end of an internship and you're really distraught or upset because you've been planning on being a banker your whole life Mm -hmm. and now you don't want to be a banker um just gently reminding yourself that there there jesus doesn't waste anything um so You can put that in the junk drawer if you want, but it stays on the top shelf for me. (laughs) (laughs) Top shelf. Yeah, so we hope that this conversation around calling has been encouraging to you. Again, just a reminder, Maddie and I have not figured things out. (laughs) We are still on this journey alongside you. It would be really interesting 10 years from now to circle back to to this this. conversation (laughs) and hear from us. And so this is just some of the thoughts that we have as we're currently sitting in this you know, season in this moment of like really discovering what our calling is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Yeah. there's what I, what I think is consistently so exciting to me though, is I'm 24 right now and Lord willing, I have another 50 to 60 years in Mm -hmm. front of me to continue investing in Jesus's kingdom through the talents and passions that he's specifically given me. And that excites the heck out of me. Like I, I'm so excited to see what you know, following Jesus in my 20s looks like Mm -hmm. and how that might differ from what my 30s or my Mm -hmm. 40s or my 50s looks like. And a really, and I'll I'll end with this encouraging story. There's a a man in his mid-70s who's been a really important mentor in my life. And I, I sometimes get really stressed and really anxious, like, and feel like I need to be doing the exact right thing. And he has consistently told me just to take a deep breath And he told me once that his 40s, his 50s, and his 60s have been the three most important decades of his life as far as the work that he feels like he's done. And he said, right now I'm in my mid-70s, and so far my 70s might overtake my 40s as another of the three most important decades. And I just think that's beautiful because right now in my 20s, I feel like my hair is on fire and I have to do... (laughs) what God has put me on this planet to do. But what a sweet reminder from an older man who says, no, like the beauty of growing up with Jesus is that, um, you know, like you said, Maddie, he doesn't waste anything and he matures us. And it's from that place of maturity that he uses us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the work I'm doing right now in my 20s is important, but I think he's also preparing me for for what he's going to do, Lord willing, later on in my life. Amen. That's so good. Thank you guys so much for listening to us ramble on about our understanding of calling and uh, what this journey has been for us. Um, And we look forward to having more of these conversations with you. Next week, we're going to be diving into a bit of a controversial topic. Ooh. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We are going to be talking about 
is it sinful to listen to secular music slash watch secular movies or TV shows? I don't know. Do you think it is? I don't know. They'll have to tune in. You'll have to tune in. We'll give our <laughs> thoughts. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.